1: Live from the Nasdaq market Site overlooking New York City's Times Square, this is Fast Money. I'm Melissa Lee. Tonight's trader lineup, Guy Dami, Steve Grosso, Jeff Mills, and Nadine Turman. Tonight on Fast, lighting up. Hot stock soaring in the last hour of trading as one Republican lawmaker makes a move toward decriminalization. We will get the details and the trade. Plus, DraftKings riding a roller coaster after its latest earnings report. Shares ending the day down 2.5%. But one trader says the market may be making the wrong bet what they are seeing for the stock. And a Chip Riff, one semi-stock capping off its best week in more than two years. We'll tell you which stock it is, what's behind the run, and how you should play this space. We start off with the news that sent stocks to another set of record highs today. Pfizer announcing his COVID pill cuts the risk of hospitalization or death by nearly 90 percent. The news prompting former FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb to say this.
0: I think the bottom line is the end of the end of the pandemic, at least as it relates to the United States, is in sight right now, given all the tools we have to combat this, uh, this disease.
1: Reopening stocks certainly seem to agree with the, uh, that the end of the pandemic is in sight. Cruise lines, airlines, casino stocks all rallying in a big way today. So is this the green light for the markets? Is this why we were able to set yet another set of records ahead of the weekend, Guy?
2: Hey Melton, they're only green lights for the markets. It's, it's amazing. I tell you what, uh, what got me by surprise today. You know, things that make you go hum. I think that was an MC Hammer show, uh, song. The fact that we had all the rhetoric out of the Fed this week, we had what was I thought a fantastic job numbers. Oh, by the way, uh, this news out of Pfizer. If you had told me that two days ago, I'd have said ten-year yield is going to be one seventy-five at least, if not higher. Mm-hmm. And here we are trading down eight basis points to one forty-five. So the way I look at this. You buy the banks on weakness, specifically Citi, and you mentioned casinos. I just still think Las Vegas Sands is way too cheap here. So I think LVS has a lot of room to the upside. But the move in the bond market today off of everything you just said and what we heard this week is fascinating. To
1: say that the 10-year yield would end the week at 1.47, Jeff Mills is, I think, a prediction that no one on this show would have made given all the events that were scheduled for this week.
3: No, and, and considering the data that came out, and I think it's a little bit inconsistent with what we're seeing elsewhere. I do agree with Guy, though. I think in terms of the banks and some of the other reopenings that may be tied to the yield curve, you know, ultimately, I think Powell gets renominated. I think him being in that seat then uh, continues to perpetuate some of the dovishness that, that he's had over the past number of months. And I think the short end of the curve comes down, the curve steepens, and that's a good thing. But we had jobs growth. We're seeing consumer credit go up, so even as some of this fiscal stimulus fades, you're getting spending that is continuing, so demand from the consumer. If you just look in the market, for example, so discretionary versus staples on an equal-weighted basis, continuing to make new highs. Small caps now breaking out of a nine-month range. I mean, this is the market telling us that the economy is going to continue to grow. We're past this growth scare from the second and third quarter, And we saw some big moves in names today they are going to benefit from that. We've had consumer spending on goods way above trend and services way below trend. So I think the Pfizer news, just along with the natural progression of the reopening, is going to be a good thing for those services to recover. So Live Nation, just as an example, um, this is a stock where supply is not an issue. You have twice as many artists that are going to tour in 2022 than they would before the pandemic. So when you talk about demand, and, and supply not being to meet be able to meet that, this is an industry where that is not a problem. So I think stocks like Live Nation, Expedia had good numbers. That's okay. gonna be the trade here for a little while. I've mentioned that I think there's a shot clock on that trade, but I don't think it's until you get into twenty twenty two.
1: And kudos to Karen Feinerman who's been in that Live Nation trade for some time now. So Nadine, what gives? Is the bond market right? Or is, <laughs> is, i mean, it doesn't make any sense if we are really poised for this sort of rapid expansion and this continued growth et cetera et cetera all everything coming up roses here then why are we at one four five well sometimes
4: what happens when things go up they come down so you had yields go up a bit and down a little bit you had energy up it softened a bit but i look at that as an opportunity you got some gifts so heading in today you saw implied volatility premium on crude oil so look at the USO at over And when you look at that, what does it mean is people are buying protection, they're worried about it. So if you think the world's reopening, if you think Expedia is going to be hot and cruise lines and people are going to be going to Disney sites, you're going to want to own energy. And so you got a gift this morning coming into the day. Similar thing with treasuries. So when you see yields that low, that lets you short treasuries because you know they cannot stay that low if the economy is going to be heating up, which, you know, look at Live Nation, all the things we're talking about here, and a lot of the positive reports today, you're going to see long end creep back up. So I looked at it as a little bit more of a gift. So on a day when you'd be trimming things that popped, you also hopefully can find opportunities to add to the long side or the short side. And we found some of those today.
1: So the translation that I come away with from what Nadine said is that the bond market is actually wrong. So, Steve Grosso, would you, would you be in that camp as well?
5: I, I, you could never say the market is wrong. Whenever you say uh, investors got this wrong or analysts got this wrong, you always are, are, are sort of barking up the wrong tree. I think what the, what the outcome that we've all seemed to uh, start to become familiar with is that positioning in the bond, bond market has made it so that rates are going nowhere. So what I mean by that is, guys, we're short treasuries, so they have to cover now. If they cover, then that puts a lid onto uh, the rate scene. But, uh, you know, this has been a problem for as long as uh, Chairman Powell has been in that seat. He was perplexed why there was no inflation. So we probably all shouldn't be so perplexed why. We're more like Japan than we'd like to admit we are, and it's a global (coughs) environment. So once once China comes back on the scene, it's very hard to have any sort of inflation because we ship it back and forth overseas. So I think this is uh, kudos to Tom Lee. This is an everything rally. I had thought it was just going to be cyclicals in value, but it's truly going to be everything going to the year end and then some.
1: OK, so if positioning is completely uh, is offsides, then and so, Guy, that's why you're saying financials, because in theory, the long end should go higher. The yield curve should steepen, and that should be beneficial uh, to financials.
2: Yeah, and I hear what Steve is saying. By the way, Steve is not wavered on this one, one, one iota. I, I'm just was shocked to see them moving. It made no sense to me. So I'm sort of in Nadine's, Nadine's camp with this one. But the banks are just too cheap. And Citi, which is, listen, I've been wrong on Citi now for a while. I thought Citi would trade up the book. But when Citi trades down to this 85% or so ish of tangible book, you go back and look, it's historically been a level where you want to buy the stock. So, yes, to answer your question, I think banks on this sell off, off this bond move, uh, are very interesting.
1: All right, we've got a news alert on Rivian's much anticipated IPO. The company. Just boosting its estimated price range to $72 to $74 a share. That is up from $57 to $62. The new range values the company at about $63 billion. Shares expected to start trading sometime next week. Remember, Amazon and Ford are major investors in this company. Amazon has already expressed major, some other major uh, holders have already expressed interest in increasing their stakes at IPO prices. Jeff Mills, what's your takeaway? This is going, I mean, it's beyond hot at this point to, to bump your yourself up from that range.
3: Yeah, there's no question about it. We talk about it constantly on the show, whether it's GM, Ford, Tesla. I mean, this is an area that's going to have tremendous growth. It's not slowing down anytime soon. So any company that shows investors that they're going to be able to capitalize and be a player there uh, is going to do well and is going to gather attention. I think the question is, what is the right valuation for companies that are at the very early stage here uh, in an industry where competition is obviously uh, very hot? So I think that's a big question mark. You know, I don't know whether this is the right price or not. What I do know is that the growth Growth opportunity is huge, and I think that's what investors are seeing right now.
1: It's got built-in orders, though, Nadine. I mean, unlike some other EV companies that have come to market IPO'd, it's got an order book already, and, and it's got the capital already for the manufacturing. I mean, is this a little different? I mean, how much of Tesla's valuation should it have? You know,
4: it's. I think that's really hard to state. You know, instead, we prefer to look at things that are a little under the radar. So if people are in love with these companies, maybe go for a Renault or, you know, folks like VW who might have had some supply issues in September, even some Japanese names again, supply issues in September, but are strong on the EV front. Um, Obviously, some labor challenges as well, but not getting those hot multiples because, yes, market multiples can melt up. But we like a little bit more asymmetry in our returns and a protection on the downside. So we prefer to take a little bit different position in in these auto and also
1: auto related like robotics and sensor type companies. Um, This is coming off a huge week, a monster week for Tesla, for Neo as well. I mean, it's been a torrid run up 10 percent for Tesla, up 7 percent. For Neo, so what are we looking at here for Rivian? What is the source of funds, if there is, for Rivian?
2: Guy, sorry. Oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry, Mel. I, I didn't know. Uh, the source of funds could be in the form of Tesla. Listen, you know, we thought Tesla collectively, we thought Tesla would trade up and that beat that all-time high in earnings. That happened. On that day, I thought it would do this back and fill back to the prior high of 900. I think, I still think that, by the way, although it's been wrong, but I think the source of funds could absolutely come from Tesla without question. But we have to mention Ford. Kudos to Hashtag Smooth, who I think is coming on in a second, Karen, as well. But we've been talking about Ford for a while, just to how cheap it was in terms of valuation and how $19, for a lot of different reasons, made sense. And here we are. By the way, I still think Ford can go higher, especially off of this news.
5: Uh, Steve, quickly. Yeah, so I don't think there has to be a source of funds. Plenty of people thought they missed Tesla, and those are the people that are going to buy this. And, and look, look at what Tesla spiked on with that Hertz report that they were going to have 100,000 uh, order book. Je- uh, Bezos is going to give 100,000 uh, order book right here on Rivian. I actually sold stock to make room for this. I-, I think it's fair to say, or not fair to say, my prediction is that this thing is trading over 100 on the first day of trading.
1: All right. Meantime, let's take a look at some pot stocks. In the last hour of trading or so, they jumped in a big way. A Republican lawmaker making a move that could clear the way towards decriminalization. Our own Tim Seymour, a.k.a. smooth, joins us on the fast line with more. Tim, what's going on here?
0: Good afternoon. Uh, so, so, yeah, cannabis stocks, first all, rallied 10 percent or, you know, 10 to 15 percent on the day, 10 percent in the last hour on news that Republicans, not Democrats, uh, are bringing a bill to you know outflank to counter. Uh, the, the the push of the Schumer bill, which many believe was dead on arrival. It's certainly proven to be, but uh, again, you've got a freshman senator, a freshman Republican senator from South Carolina, Nancy Mace, who's bringing forward something called the State's Reform Act. The, the bottom line for the cannabis industry is we're talking about decriminalization. We're talking about um, keeping the power within the states to do a lot of the regulation and keeping a lot of the messiness of the federal government out of the way. It's something that is passable it's something people didn't think was going to be passable in in the short to medium term. And and again, for uh by the way, footnote to, to Cannabis Insider Brady Cobb who's been on top of this and, and gave me a lot of this information. I, I just think, you know, this is an industry that we know uh the growth is there, the demographics are there, the consumption trends are there and it's and it's spring loaded. But but we reported two days ago, right? That that the industry is under so much pressure because so many investors can't access this trade because mm-hmm. of the federal restrictions. Mm-hmm. So again, the news today is that those federal restrictions may not be uh as you know, difficult to override in the short to medium term and that the the political dynamics of Washington are also at work here. Republicans see an opportunity to steal a Democratic issue and bring a piece of legislation that would be game changing for the industry.
1: So Tim, um, does this really sort of widen the chasm between U.S. operators versus Canadian operators in that now all of a sudden the gates have really
0: opened specifically for U.S. operators? It's it's a great call because it happens on a day when Canopy Growth, the largest company in Canada, really had disappointing numbers and was down 11%. So, again, uh, a 23 25% move between uh, just that name and some other U.S. names. The U.S. market is by far the most interesting, largest cannabis market in the world. Uh, that chasm has been as much about uh, Canadian stocks that can list on U.S. stock exchanges and, and U.S. stocks that have had to go to Canada. So um, be careful because I still think that Some of the Canadian LPs, first of all, are very much investable, but are still going to be proxy plays. Federal legalization and the ability to trade on these names doesn't happen tomorrow. Um, And I think some of those names will continue to trade well on this news and can also trade higher. But, yes, this is a a U.S. story right now, and this is U.S. legislation that would be game-changing for U.S. cannabis investments.
1: Tim, thanks so much for calling in on this Friday edition of Fast. Always good to hear from you, you, Tim Seymour. Nadine Turman, where are you in this trade? Well, we've owned some and been
4: sticking with our guns, so we're supportive of Tim and all his knowledge on cannabis here and the irony is just earlier this week you know a big bank said can't hold it can't trade it and then liquidity came out of a bunch of names so you saw a lot of names trade down so obviously when people think liquidity can come back into names and that's really what tim's talking about then you're going to see it pop so not only just the legislation the but ability to have liquidity in names is so important but right now you're looking at multiples that are so cheap it's ridiculous but as we've seen Stocks don't always just trade on fundamentals. The technicals have to be there, too. And this is now a technical story.
1: All right. Coming up, a surge in semis. The chip stocks rallying hard this week. So which names should, be, should you be adding to your portfolio? The traders are breaking it down next. Plus, you've got to know when to hold them. Shares of DraftKings down after earnings. But the general says don't fold on this trade just yet. More on that in just a few. Don't go anywhere. Fast money's back right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Qualcomm leading the semi-stocks higher this week. The chip name rising almost 23% since Monday, posting its best week since April 2019. The move comes amid broad strength in the semi-space. The SMH ETF rising more than 8% this week, its best week since February. What do you make of this astronomical run, Guy?
2: Finally figured it out. I mean, Qualcomm couldn't get out of their own way for a long time, but if on the technicals that Nadine talked about, held 125 a couple times, we had pointed that out, and then all of a sudden the fundamentals are kicking in, because that quarter was uh, ridiculous in a word, in a good way. Now people are saying, you know what, maybe Qualcomm's uh, a value stock here, has room for growth, and AMD and NVIDIA have been on this trajectory for a while. So these are real companies in the right spots. And to quote an old Allman Brothers album, which was a pretty lousy one by their standards, (laughs) win, place, or show, I'm going to give you my win, place, or show. It's AMD... Qualcomm, NVIDIA now in that order,
3: given the moves. How's that?
1: Well, I'll ask the general. How's that, Jeff Mills?
3: Boy, I don't know if I can follow that. No, listen, I, I look at semis a little bit like I do biotech for a lot of investors. You know, I, I like spreading our chips around a little bit, so the SMH is a good play. Uh, you know, we try to look at uh, semis thematically. So think about EV exposure, analog devices, wireless connectivity, Skyworks production, obviously Taiwan Semi, even KLA. But you know, I agree with Guy. So you look at Qualcomm, I do think it's a nice value play in the Semi space, 15 times forward, even after the move, still pretty cheap, leader in 5G, talking about pretty strong revenue growth in 2022 so that's all good and we can't talk about chips or or anything related to the metaverse without mentioning it and i think you know you look at a stock like nvidia you know not necessarily cheap but wells put out a note they said the metaverse could lead to a twelve billion dollar incremental market opportunity for nvidia in the next five years so that's in combination with their omniverse platform and then just the computing power needed for the future of the metaverse so i think uh there's a lot of upside there and just an interesting note nvidia is starting to become uh, a commonly mentioned name on wall street bet so something to keep an eye out for
1: oh that's an interesting little tidbit Grosso, uh you like nvidia as much as jeff yeah, does so i
5: i i loved nvidia since the day we 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 uttered the symbol on air and for me, it's, it's, I always think they're gonna make out in this with autonomous drive, with the connected home, with, with even the connected car. But if you look at Nvidia on an RSI relative strength index, obviously we am telling you the obvious, it's overbought. It's registering at about an 88 or so and overbought is 70 or above. So is AMD and so is Qualcomm. I was positive on Qualcomm as a catch up trade going into earnings. I think you have to sell this spike higher. If I had a bet on one right now, I'm going to give you the boring name, Intel. Intel, I think, could rally 10 to 15% quickly, and the other ones will flatten out.
1: Coming up, shares of DraftKings dropping on the back of earnings this morning. But one of our traders says the market is getting it all wrong. He will break it down next. And later, on a very special options action, Guy is getting in on the fun, laying out his take on a stock he says should rule them all. But what do the OA guys think? You're watching Fast Money live from the NASDAQ market side in Times Square. Back right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out shares of DraftKings ending the day down more than 2% after reporting earnings this morning. The sports betting company posting a wider-than-expected loss but did raise its guidance for the year. Jeff, you like this report. Why?
3: Well, listen, I mean, with a stock like this, there, there's been a ton of hype, periods of euphoria. You're talking about a stock that was trading at 70 times sales at one point last year. But it, this is not all going to happen at once. It's not, not all going to happen overnight. You're talking about a story that's really in in the beginning innings, maybe the first or second inning. And now the stock at 19 times, not cheap, but I think justifiable based on the potential growth. I mean, You had some light revenue guidance in 21. That's kind of why the stock wobbled today. But you're talking about 43% growth in in 2022. User growth is good. Revenue per user growth is good. And and the general story hasn't changed, right? You're talking about a global online gambling market of $112 billion by 2025. And sports betting is really going to be the primary driver. And mobile sports betting is only live in 13 states right now. So I think there's plenty of upside. And I'll, I'll just give you some buzzword soup here. But talk about AR, VR, the metaverse, NFTs. I mean, these are all areas where DraftKings is going to play in the future. So when you talk about $4 billion of revenue for DraftKings out in 2025, I think that's more than reasonable. And it leaves plenty of upside for the stock. And now we're back to that June 20, uh, 2020 high at 4370 thereabouts. And that's been really good support for the stock. So I think it's a reasonable entry point for anyone looking to get exposure here.
1: I'm not a betting person, as most people know, at all, in any way, shape, or form, Nadine. But one of the reasons behind the disappointment is that they, they simply, the House lost bets. The House lost a bunch of NFL bets to their customers, and that was, that was the reason. Should, should one be concerned that they, haven't, they don't have the algorithm or, or whatever it is in place to, to figure that out in advance or figure it out in a better way, or no? Well, you know they're going to be figuring it out soon, Mel.
4: (laughs) But I think, you know, that's one part of the story. Also, people are looking for, as this business scales, they want to see greater profitability. There were also some issues around Dave Portnard. And so, you know, taking all of that into consideration, I do believe, from a technical standpoint, this is oversold, so it's not to say fundamentally therefore you have to throw this out. I I disagree with that, but there's some challenges here, so it's a bit of a prove me now and show what they can do, obviously from the algorithm, Mm -hmm. from the margins, from scaling. But from a technical standpoint, we're seeing about 12% upside,
1: so you can still buy this. Around the horn we go, final trade, Steve.
5: Clear, secure, Y.O.U. final trade last night was up almost 9%. It's got a lot more room to run. Jeff.
3: EOG, they continue to execute. Great quarter. I think there's upside.
1: Maybe. Real Good Shell R.D.S.A. Guy.
2: The Ian, the Hope trade, Expedia.
1: That does it for us. Do not go anywhere. Options action with Guy. will start after this break.